right, New Hope Church. Good morning. Uh, it is uh, good to see you, and because uh, I have not seen you guys in forever, and I'm still not seeing you guys because only you guys get to see my face as I'm preaching to you today. But yes, Pastor David has asked me to preach for him because I think he is a. Uh, soon coming back from LA or coming back from LA today or something like that by the time of this recording. But I uh, hope you guys have been good. I hope you guys have been safe. I do miss you guys. I do miss meeting people. I know we're slowly going back into the norm and uh, getting to meet with people again. And I think next week you guys are going to start meeting together again in person, which is awesome. Uh, I think uh, this season, don't get me started, it's going to be another sermon within a sermon. But I think this season has shown us how sometimes we take for granted the actual physical gathering. And Hebrews specifically talks about that. Do not forget to gather with one another as some have already. So it just shows, it goes to show that the church uh, really is about the gathering, a physical gathering where you guys come together because of Christ and you guys celebrate together, eat, break, uh, eat and break bread together, and you just sing praises and do all these things where you are the church. You don't go to church, you are the church. So hopefully you guys will just enjoy that as you guys meet together like that. I'm always super excited. If you guys know me, you know that I always love talking about the Bible. I love preaching. I preach five sermons within one sermon because I just love God's Word so much. And so hopefully uh, today I will do a decent job because I'm juggling, looking through my sermon, looking at the camera doing PowerPoint at the same time and also running the streaming program. So if I happen to just have like this blank stare or something like that uh just please bear with me uh because i'm trying to juggle four things at once but god is good and i think it will be great because it's not about me it's about it's about jesus it's about his word and hopefully uh his word will just continue to not only bless you guys but really uh just encourage you guys especially during this season to uh, not just know it, but to live it out, especially, especially during the season as well. So if you have your Bibles, your physical Bibles, physical Bibles, because I know it's hard to read the Bible on your cell phone while watching the stream at the same time, I encourage you guys to turn to Hebrews chapter 3, and we're going to be going through verses 7 through 19. And we're going to, I'm not going to read through it all, but we're just going to go through it today. And I'm super excited for this sermon, because um, if you have been maybe following me, I actually have been going through Hebrews with my church as well. And I love Hebrews. It's one of my favorite books because the main thesis of this book is Jesus is better. Life with Jesus. Uh, my pastor friend Brendan, he says it so well. Life with Jesus is better. And that's what the book of Hebrews is about because as we go through all the stuff that 2020 has thrown in our faces, um, we can be easily sidetracked, distracted, even deceived into believing certain things that are not necessarily true. And uh, a lot of us also, you know, because of quarantine, because of things that we watch in the news, we can be discouraged. So Hebrews is such a great uh, timely book right now because it just again and again reminds us of that one and most important thing, life with Jesus is better. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He is worth suffering for going through pain, going through hardship, because Christ, His love for us, uh, what He has done for us, and the hope that we have in Him just makes everything that we go through here on this earth so much better, all right? So as we go through Hebrews, um, you know, we're going to be going through chapter 3, but I do encourage you guys to read through Hebrews, and especially with this time that you have, uh, because as you read through it, you will be encouraged over and over and over again. You're letting God's word 
be the one voice uh, that directs your heart and your mind, especially in a time where it seems like there's tons of voices trying to tell us what to do, right? So again, I encourage you to read through Hebrews, especially one through uh, three, and it'll give us a better context and understanding of even our sermon today as well. Uh, church, you know, as I noticed before, as I stated before, um, this is a season where it is becoming increasingly difficult to just simply go to church, right? It mean, meaning that it's, it's a time where we can't just go to church on a Sunday, maybe do a Bible study every once in a while because, you know, we have to or feel bad that week. And uh, then just go to work, live your life any way that you want and have your, your faith and your normal life uh, you know, segregated from one another. Uh, when we go through and see the stuff happening in the world today and how it impacts uh, and really, you know, it is, it involves everybody. You know, COVID was a worldwide pandemic that they, they said that did affect everybody. It was something that you couldn't just turn off the news and be like, oh, that doesn't have to deal anything with me. And then you just continue to live your life. You continue to live a comfortable Christian life and that's it, right? For the first time in a long time, uh, COVID was a thing that really affected the entire world and it really um, altered and challenged and changed some people's lives the way that they lived. And not only the way that they live, I'm not just talking about masks, but it made them think. It made them think about their mortality. It made them think about you know, their lives and, you know, their safety, their health, and not just them, but their friends and family and loved ones. So here we're going through, we just went through a season where everybody in the world stopped and had to stop and think about the same thing, about life, about death, about mortality, all right, what happens to you when you die and all these things. And what a crazy gentle reminder that God has given to us to make us stop. Right? To make especially the church to stop and think about what really is our relationship with Jesus all about. What really is the church really about? Because the fact for a couple months we could not meet together face to face. Did that mean the church was put on hold? That God's work was paused because of this, uh, this COVID? No, of course not. It was a reminder of how this season showed us that the church are the believers the gathering of believers, the people who all believe that Christ is their Lord and Savior. It's never been about the building. It's never been about the institution. It's never been about the name of the church. It's been about always the followers of Christ coming and gathering together and being the church and so forth. All right. And that's very important, again, because as you know, I don't know what else 2020 is going to give to us. But again, I, what I see is we are living in times where it's just increasingly difficult to just kind of hide whether you're Christian or not, right? Especially, I don't want to get into politics or whatnot. And if you want to, we can talk about coffee, you buy, right? But, you know, all the stuff going on right now, again, it does impact us. We can't just avoid it. We can't not just talk about it or whatever. I'm sure most people watching and listening to this, you have been impacted by these this current issues in some shape or form, your coworker, your friends or whatever. And it is you're being put in a point where you have to make a decision. You have to make a statement because, again, you know, these people will say, if you're not for us, you're uh, you're part of the problem. 
right? And the best part, my favorite one, is because if you don't judge fast enough, right, that means you're part of the problem. You're the enemy as well. That's my favorite one. It's absolutely ridiculous. Don't listen to them, okay? Because the Bible specifically clearly says, be quick to listen, slow to judge. So don't listen to what those voices say. Listen to scripture alone. So today, church, I know that was a large introduction, but I want to just encourage you, okay, with the best source of encouragement. That's God's word. And church, I want to encourage you to be guided by the one specific highest ultimate path, the light to our path, and that is also God's word. And today, I hope I encourage you guys by, you know, having you and challenging you guys to boycott being a wave tossed in the ocean, but really standing firm and secure on this unchanging solid rock, which is Christ Jesus. And the way that we do that is by going into his word and just affirming God's truth and knowing that he is unchanging. He's still in control. And the hope that we have in his son has not changed one bit. Right? The calling that we have from him has not changed at all. It hasn't. It hasn't been altered. Nothing has stopped it or whatever. No. Our identity in Christ has not changed one bit. And so therefore, our calling and work that we are called to do as followers of Christ has also not changed one bit, all right? So let's go to Hebrews chapter 3. And now I'm going to start at verse 7. And so it's at verse 7, it says, Therefore, stop right there. Because for those of you who want to get a little bit higher level of reading the Bible, therefore is probably one of the most important words that you can study. Uh, whenever you see that word, therefore, uh, it means that you should take the time to stop and go back a couple of verses or even the passage and read the context right before it. Because whenever the author is writing, therefore, he it meant that he just said something. He just made this persuasive essay of all the things, all these reasons why, you know, the hope of Jesus, the sovereignty of Jesus, on and on and on, whatever it may be. In the book of Hebrews, it's saying the superiority of Jesus, the supremacy of Jesus, because Jesus is superior to everything on this earth. He's better than Moses. He's better than the angels. He's better than anything that this earth can offer. Therefore, then we come to action verb, right? We, what you have to do. And so verse 7, therefore, all right? Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. Stop right there, right? So again, if you do it, if you for you guys who have not read through Hebrews before, this may be a little bit confusing because it's like, you know, for the first three chapters, the author is talking about, you know, Jesus is better than Moses. He's better than the law. He's better than the angels. He's better, you know, he's not just a servant of God. He's a he's the son of God. And so suddenly we're now talking about um Harden your hearts, and then rebellion, and then wilderness. So what is, the, what is the author talking about? Well, you don't have to turn there. You can if you want. But the author is quoting from Psalm uh, 95, where the first half of the psalm sings out praises to the Lord. And how great he is, how awesome he is. And it's very similar to the theme of Hebrews chapters 1, 2, and 3. But in the second half of Psalm 95, it comes with a very solemn warning. It says, don't reject him. Don't deny him. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And so the author of Hebrews and the psalmist are sharing the same warning today. If you hear God's voice, do not harden your hearts. 
And so I want you guys to look at verse 9. Where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore I was provoked with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And so here we see a reference to Israel wandering in the wilderness. Again, read your Bibles. It's in the Old Testament, Exodus through Numbers, right? It is a reference to Israel walking in the wilderness. Oh, I guess if you watch the Prince of Egypt movie, I guess that works too. Or the Ten Commandments movie for the older people out there. But it should have been a short trip from Egypt. Once they were freed from slavery, from Egypt to the Promised Land, it should have been a very short trip. right? Very, very short. But it ended up being 40 years instead because of the constant mumbling and grumbling of the Israelites. One day it was because they were thirsty. Another day it was because they were hungry. Uh, other days it was because they were tired of the food that God gave them, the manna, the bread from sky, from the sky. And uh, you know, on and on and on they complained. And soon the complaints became threats where they would say you know, stuff like, you know, did you bring us out here into this wilderness so that we can die? <laughs> so, so, so much sass, right, to Moses and to God. So it's kind of like, you know, if you're a youth pastor or you, know, you, work, you work with youth or students before, you're driving a bus of students on the retreat or mission trip or something like that, and you got like 12 backseat drivers. You're doing all this driving. You're driving for 11 hours, right? You're doing all the work, and then, you know, and you provide food for them. You stop for the bathrooms and whatnot, but they still complain for like the entire 11 hours, kind of like that. Imagine that for 40 years. So do you know what happened? Right? You know what happened because of this constant state of grumbling and rebellious hearts? Nobody above the age of 20 in Israel who were freed from Egypt, nobody above the age 20 except two faithful people, Joshua and Caleb, were able to enter into the promised land. Now that's pretty crazy, right? Because of such rebellious hearts and hatred and anger toward God, all right, God justifiably, very righteously, did not allow anybody above age 20, except for those two, to enter into the promised land. And I totally take a side on that. Because you know why? <laughs> if you actually read through some of the stuff that they said, and we're going to go through some of them, you will probably take God's side as well. But the thing is, to go back, we have to ask that question. Why is the author of Hebrews asking and I mean, sharing this and referring to this passage in Exodus and through Numbers and through Psalm 95. Why do we suddenly have this reference back to the Old Testament? Because what we see here is that the author who is writing to these Hebrew Christians, he was warning them that they were going through the exact same path as those Israelites who complained and hardened their hearts in the wilderness. There's nothing new, the author is saying. All right? And the warning here is, you guys have to be careful. Because through your hardening of your heart, because of your possible grumbling, complaints, and so forth, you may be going through the same path as the Israelites as they were wandering in the wilderness. For those of you who don't know, um, the Hebrew Christians were going through such persecution during this time. Uh, it got to the point where, you know, they were mocked and they were rejected by the communities and so forth. It got to the point where it was so hard and it was so difficult that the, the Christians were tempted to go back to their old lifestyles. For some, it meant to go back to Judaism. For others, it meant to be a Gentile again, to be whatever. For others, it meant to choose like an easier version of Christianity or an easier version of Christ. 
And so here the author is just pointing out again and again, be careful. Because what I see among you guys, what I see how you guys are acting, what you're tempted to go back into, it is exact same thing that the Israelites went through while they were in the wilderness as well. And so when we read through this passage today, when we understand this context of what the Hebrew Christians were going through, we have to also be careful and discerning. Are we ever on that same path that these two groups are going through? That's the dangerous thing about our walks with the Lord. And that is why it's so important for our, our walks with God, with Christ, has to be one where we're constantly reflecting daily, which we'll get into in a sec. But one of the most important, danger, uh, most dangerous things about our walks with Christ, about our faiths, is that it is possible where our hearts, all right, maybe with just constant small rejections of God and just you know, pushing Him aside, and all, whatever it may be, there is that deception where because our hearts are so hardened, it gets to the point where we believe everything is okay with God. But in the reality is, we don't enter into the promised land. This is the parallel that the author of Hebrews was talking about. He's saying the majority of Israel is not able to enter the, the promised land at all because of their rebellious hearts, which caused them to not trust in God, but rather just complain and even rebel against God and Moses. And in the same situation, you guys, the Hebrew church, you guys are going through this. You guys are going through this where you are tempted to go back into Egypt. You want to go back to being a slave again. You want to go back and turn away from the promise and the hope that God has given to you. And so, if you again, you read through 1 through and 3, it shows us. How does the author of Hebrews encourage us, encourage these Christians going through hard times? Jesus is better. That's what he's saying. Jesus is better than Moses. He's better than the angels. He's better than their old ways. And so we see in those chapters again and again the supremacy of Jesus over all these things. And then he puts that word that I talked about earlier. Therefore, because Jesus is superior, Make sure you pay uh, attention to what I'm about to say. Today, the Holy Spirit is speaking, he says. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. The author in this chapter, um, he kind of shifts his tone of voice after the first three. Because the first three chapters talk about, you know, Jesus is awesome, Jesus is awesome, over and over and over again. But then here, suddenly there's this shift in this tone where it becomes from a very positive thing to kind of like a warning aspect. And I, I love that though, because in the first three chapters, the fact that he you know, is so, just so positive and pointing people to Christ, it's a good reminder for all of us that when we see people who you know, fall to sin or maybe walk away or tempted to walk away, we don't guilt trip them. We don't put all these extra burdens. You have to come to church. No, you should read your Bible, all these things more. No, we just simply point them to Jesus. We point them to how awesome Jesus is because Jesus Christ by himself is persuasive enough. He is majestic and beautiful enough to draw people in. All we have to do is just point people to Christ. Right? But with that said, there is a shift in the tone where God in his word is showing us the dangers and risks that are involved when we do not take his truth, his word, his ways seriously. Not only that, there are inherent risks of spiritual drift, right? Which we'll be going over soon. 
where again, it might get to the point, and it will get to the point for some people, where they do not even recognize that they are walking away from God. That they are mumbling against God and grumbling and complaining. And some, even worse, they do rebel against God. And they don't even realize that they're doing it because their eyes are not on Christ, but they're on the earthly goal or their flesh or whatever else that they want that is not from God. And so as a good Heavenly Father, here in chapter 3, verses 7 through 19, God, you know, who would protect his children by showing him the, the boundaries and the consequences of what happens when we overstep those boundaries. Here we see the Lord providing us gently, very sternly, but very gently as well, a, a warning of the possible ramifications of a hardened heart of unbelief as well. Uh, verse 12, it says, read it with me. It says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. So the danger here is that many believe that everything is okay with God. But the reality is you still have an evil, unbelieving heart. And this is the type of heart that leads you away from the living God. You might have all the positive feelings, especially after a retreat. You might have proper connections with godly people. You might be a good friends with a pastor or a Christian speaker. You might have an awesome spiritual resume where your church attendance is absolutely perfect. You might be on praise team. You might be on a media team. You might be the follow-up team. You might be serving at church. But all of those things do not matter when you, you do not have a believing heart. It does not matter if you have done all of these things when you yourself still have an unbelieving heart. This is where the parallel of Israel comes into play. And now we're going to dive deep into this, what is going on here. I want you guys to go back to history, okay? Exodus. For those of you who watch, you know, Prince of Egypt or Ten Commandments movie or any type of Exodus movie, except for the bad ones, um, I want you guys to stop and think about it. Did all of Israel get to see the plagues put upon Egypt? Yes, they did. Did all of Israel... Uh, were freed from Egypt, from the bondage of slavery. Yes, they were. Did all of Egypt get to see God split the Red Sea? Yes, they did. Did they get to see the defeat of Pharaoh's army? Yes, they did. Did all of them receive manna from the sky, from God? Yep. Did they all see water from the rock, the rock and get water from the rock? Yes, they did. Did they all see the presence of God as they were traveling in the wilderness, as a cloud in the day and a pillar of light at night? Yes, they did. And so you see the pattern there, right? All of Israel saw God's work. All of Israel saw God's miracles, and they saw His presence, and they walked with God. Over and over and over and over again, they heard, they saw, and experienced the work of God, and received the blessings of God even. But despite the fact that they literally saw the presence of God, and they literally received the blessings of God. And they saw all these amazing things of God. All but two people above the age of 20 <laughs> were not able to enter the promised land. I want you guys to stop and think about that for one second. Again, everybody saw the work of God. Everybody saw and experienced the blessings of God. But not everybody entered the promised land. 
I'm sure a lot of them were impressed by his works. I'm sure a lot of them had an intellectual connection with God. But because they never had a believing heart, because they never made a commitment, because they never made a choice to say, Lord, you are my God. You are the God that I want to follow. I want to follow you no matter how hard it may be, because I see through your power, through the works that you've done, you are the one true living God. They never made that decision in their hearts. And how do we know that? Well, look at verse 9 through 11, right? Where your fathers put me to the test, saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Guys, I don't know about you, but when God says, you're putting me to the test, uh, you're starting to provoke me. When God says stuff like that, I don't want to be in that situation whatsoever, right? And to the point where he was provoked for 40 years, even though he was taking care of them for 40 years, and he was patient with them for so long, despite the constant grumblings and complaints. But you want more proof? Let's keep going. All right, let's go to the next slide. Exodus 17, 3. The people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Exodus 17:7. 7, they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? And my favorite one, Numbers 11:5. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt that cost nothing, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. But now our strength is dried up, and there is nothing at all but this manna to look at. Hmm. Guys, do you see that? The Israelites who literally saw the work of God daily, and they were provided for daily, they complained about the exact same things that God gave them. And not only that, they wanted to go back to Egypt. They wanted to go back to their old lifestyle. I stop and think about that for one second. They wanted to go back to Egypt to be slaves again. To eat meat, melons, and onions. When you look at that, and we hear these type of stories, the narrative in Exodus through Numbers, we can kind of scoff at that and be like, wow, those Israelites, <laughs> sure we're foolish people, right? If I were there, I would never make that type of mistake, right? But church, we do. We do make those type of mistakes. And the temptation and the deception and the traps do exist for all of us. And this is why we have to be so, so reflective and just so investigative of our own faith daily because of how easy we can fall into that same trap, right? This is the example that the author of Hebrews is looking into to show us the real serious possibility that the readers of Hebrews, this letter, were going through the same track. And for us, same thing. We also can possibly fall down this same track where we see the blessings of God. We experience the blessings of God through church, through other Christians, through Christian friends. And, you know, we, see, we go and experience the work. We even serve on Sundays. We do all these things and we feel and experience the good things that come from working for God. 
But behind all of those things, there's still that unbelieving heart that never made a commitment, never made a choice to follow God, to follow the one living God. And so for some who may be watching this right now, right, this is my challenge, but also encouragement. Because some people who may be listening to this right now and hearing God's word today, you might be having a desire to go back to your old life. I don't know what it is exactly, and I sympathize with whatever it is. And again, I'm sure you have Pastor David, you have many elders who can like listen to you, and I encourage you to do so. But there are people who will have a desire to go back to that old life. Christianity is not worth it. Right? To follow Christ means to break up with my girlfriend. To follow Christ means I have to quit this job because it's causing me to sin more. We, have, we are faced with these decisions, right? And there, there are times where we have to make a choice where either I follow Christ or I just want to go back to my old life. Either I follow Christ or I just want to live life this way. And so the thing is, you know, I know that's some, sometimes extreme for some people, but that's the reality. That's the danger. We may think it's a small thing at first. We may think that it's okay to marry a non-believer at first, right? Thinking that it'll change or whatever, it'll be okay. I can serve both Jesus and this other master. I can serve both Jesus and money. I can both serve Jesus and this job or whatever it is that I'm really working my life for. But bit by bit, slowly, day by day, we're not getting closer to Jesus. We're actually drifting away from him. That is the warning that the author of Hebrews is giving to us today. The question is, do you hear God's voice today? Do you hear God's voice today? And what is your response? Is it the hardening of your heart where you say, all right, God, I'll, I'll do that. But later, after I finish this, after I get married, after I do this, or do you believe and commit to God? Because guys, the grumbling, the complaints, a desire to go back to Egypt, a desire to live life your own way, a, a desire to depart from the one true God, all of those things have one thing in common. It is unbelief. Unbelief. And like I said before, the scary thing about unbelief, it comes with a hardening heart and it cuts, gets to the point where we don't even realize that we don't even believe in God and harden our hearts against Him. Cain believed it. Hananiah the false prophet believed it. The kings of Israel believed it. Ananias and Sapphira believed it. Simon the magician believed it. Over and over and over again throughout Scripture, we see examples of people who had the ability to choose and follow God, to believe in the one true living God. And yet, they didn't. And their hearts became hardened to the point where they totally rejected God. One of the sad things of that experience through ministry, you know, in my years of ministry and so forth, and even until today, is really, you know, hearing people and meeting up with people uh, that tell me that they want to take a break from Christianity. And they want to take a break from the church to find themselves. And even though they say those things, there's actually another reason, but we're not, I'm not going to get into that. 
But what ends up happening every time I hear and meet with those type of people is that they don't find God, right? They don't. They run away from God. And what ends up happening is that they search for whatever they're looking for, which is love and value and truth. They search for those things in every other place, people, partying, entertainment, pleasure, whatever it may be. They look for every other place except for the one place, the one person that, that gives it to them already. Isn't that a tragedy? Right? When we walk away from the living God, that doesn't remove the feeling and desires in our hearts to actually you know, have truth and hope and love. We have to find it somewhere. And the tragedy is we desperately try to find it in a relationship, money, jobs, whatever it may be, but we never get satisfied. And as Jesus said, you will thirst again. Church, I want to make it very clear. There's no such thing as taking a break from Christianity. There's no such thing as taking a break from God. And then everything will be okay once you're ready to come back and pick him up again. It's the same thing as saying, you know, right, my physical heart right now, uh, I'm not comfortable with it. You know, it drives me nuts, right? It gives me some pain every morning. I'm tired of it. I'm going to take it out and I'll leave it over here. And uh, when I'm ready for it and it gets better, I'll come back to it. And I know that's a very silly example, but that's what we're doing. Because something as a heart that's so integral to your body, how much more is that for the case with your spirit and your relationship with God? And if I want to go even further, Hebrews 6, right? I encourage you guys to read through that. Hebrews 6 specifically, specifically talks about people who have experienced the blessings of God, just like Israel in the wilderness. They have experienced it. They've seen the works and hit their own lives and other people's lives. But then when they walk away, those people, it is impossible, it says, for them to come back to faith. Isn't that a scary thing? Right? It is impossible, according to Hebrews 6, for people who have experienced God's love, all these things going on and on and on, receiving the blessings, seeing the blessings, and then they make that decision to walk away from it. It's impossible for them to come back. That's the scary thing about the hardened heart. Now, as I say Hebrews 6, because that's a very debated passage, I want to be very clear as I just said that. I'm not talking about Christians that sin. Because there are Christians that fall to sin. There are Christians that fall to long sins. right? And it's a struggle for a lot of them to break away from them. I'm not talking about that because there is that other extreme where other people will read Hebrews 6 and they feel so bad. They're like, oh, I sinned like against God this way and I denied him before. And uh, that means I'll never get saved. No, that's not what the passage is saying. The passage is saying for people who have literally seen and experienced God's goodness and yet they reject him. Unbelief, right? This is the difference. True Christians will sin. Non-Christians will sin, but the Christian comes back to the Lord, right? They repent, realize that they are a sinner, and they recognize and remember that Jesus Christ died for their sins. And they come back, and they come back to the one that forgives them. But the other does not. They harden their hearts, and they walk away from God. They walk away from the gift that God has given to them through His Son. 
and they believe, they would rather trust and believe that their sin or is so depraved that their life is just so much better without God. And they reject that gift. Scary thing, right? So, I can go on and on, but I want to give you guys some application, some, some encouragement as we go through these things. Because obviously, this is a very serious and solemn warning, all right? And I hope it was a serious and wake-up call for some of you guys as well. But I also want to encourage you, because God has given us a solution, uh, something to actually do if we feel like we're in that spot where we're maybe tempted to walk away or to just fall and drift spiritually and so forth. God has a solution, and that solution is this. Through gospel-centered community, all right? And I'm very specific about gospel-centered community because I'm not talking about just people who say they're Christian and then you go have a drink over there and so. No, I'm talking about actual, mature, Christ-centered Christians that you know that if you were to hang with and spend time with, you would be challenged in your life and you would grow spiritually in your life. God uses gospel-centered community to help us and to guard us from falling into this deception of a hardened heart. Read verse 13. Exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Church, this is what God is telling us to do. He is telling us to encourage and exhort one another, keyword, every day. And I love that extra emphasis of as long as it is called today. Because you know what he's saying? He's saying to ask ourselves this question. How much longer will today actually exist? How much longer do we have to set aside God and taking Him seriously? Or how much longer do we have to be able to take a break from Him until we realize there is no tomorrow? Right? Again, we were talking about spiritual drift, how it's a slow thing. Walking away from God is not a one-day decision. It is not a two-day decision. It is a long-term decision from long experiences. And we slowly drift away bit by bit, day by day, as we harden our hearts every day instead of repenting. So grumbling against God soon becomes complaining. And then complaining becomes contempt and rebellion. Right. So we get to the point where we're not just complaining about God. We actively start hating God because... He hasn't given me that water or food, better water or food. He hasn't given me that spouse I wanted or been praying for for a long time, right? I haven't gotten that job or I, whatever. I haven't gotten relief from this. Don't fall for that. 2 Corinthians 13, 5, it says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about you, that Christ Jesus is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet that test? The salvation gift this great pearl, this hidden treasure in the field is so precious, it is worth looking and examining every single day in your life. If it is not that precious, I'll be very clear with you. You might not have Christ Jesus in your heart. You may not have made that decision to follow Jesus. Because again, for those who have truly tasted the goodness of Christ, will understand that Christ is the great pearl, the hidden treasure something that is worth selling everything else for just to have. If Jesus Christ is not that important to you, then perhaps you have never made that decision to commit to Him as your Lord and Savior. Church, look at what the world is doing today. 
Look at what the world is throwing at us. All these voices telling other people to change. Other, you have to do this. You have to do this before things get better and all this stuff. And then, you know, if you don't do it fast enough, then you're again, you're still a bad person. But you know what, the, what our Lord is calling us to do? Our Lord is calling us to look into yourself first. To look into your own heart. To look into the plank in your eye rather than the speck in your brother's eye. And so that leads us to our first final application points for today. Three of them, right? I know I'm getting long right now, but God's word is so good. Sorry. Number one, define your relationship with Christ. Okay? I don't care where you are. I don't care if you've been a Christian or you think you've been a Christian for 15 years. Your faith, your walk with Christ, your salvation is so important. It is worth reflecting over every single day in your life. And the question that I encourage you, a very practical question, is this. What do you believe God is doing in this season today? Right? I repeat. What do you believe God is doing in this season? Because how you answer that question gives insight on truly what your relationship with God is all about. Right? Because the other question related to that is this. Exact same question, just ask differently. Why did God free Israel from Egypt? Because was it to make them happy? Was it to resolve the injustices going on? Was it to promote the, you know, the awareness of how the slavery was evil and all these things? Was that God's purpose in freeing them from Egypt? The answer is actually in Exodus 8.1. Exodus 8.1 says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, let my people go, that they may serve me. Friends, if the answer to your question on what God is doing during this COVID season, during these racial tension season, and anything else throughout the entire year, 2020, if your answer had nothing to do about God's glory, so that people may worship and enjoy Him, if your answer about yourself did not include you, God using you for His glory by sharing the gospel, making disciples, carrying out the Great Commission, if you, your answer did not have those things, then you are not following Christ Jesus. I know that's very harsh, but I say truth that gives life, that is painful, but I want you to have life in Christ rather than death in pleasure, rather than death in the temporary things. Guys, many people have encounters with God, but have you ever actually accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? And do you even know what that means? Today, God says, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. A lot of people today use the name of Jesus for their agenda. But how many of them actually follow Jesus Christ as a son of God? Right? There are a lot of people who speak on behalf of Jesus. But not a lot of them listen to the voice of Jesus. You see the difference? Do you see yourself using Jesus for your agenda? Do you find yourself speaking on behalf of Jesus and God more than God speaking to you through His Word and through His Spirit? Be careful of those things. 
That's the tragedy. Again, fake gods, fake teachers. Number two, encourage one another. As I shared before about how we don't know how long today is, and you don't know how much time you have left to make a decision to really commit to God. The other thing is this, church. You don't know how much longer you have to encourage one another either. You don't know how much time you have with another person that needs Christ Jesus. And so if you don't have a tomorrow with a person that you're praying for, have been praying for, and wanted to share the gospel to, will you do that today? Will you encourage it today? That is why the author of Hebrews say, encourage each other today, daily. How do you do that? You first go to Christ, you receive blessing, you receive, you be filled yourself with His love and truth, and you share that with other people as well. Guys, if you're not doing that, it may mean, again, something's up with your relationship with Jesus, right? Whatever it may be. Um, a very practical thing is this. Today, the world, all right, seeks to judge. Have you seen that today? <laughs> I'm not going to go into details, but the world today seeks to judge. It'll judge you for your Twitter history from eight years ago. It'll judge you for your, the color of your skin. It'll judge you because you didn't judge other people fast enough. It'll judge you because you're not breaking the speed limit enough on 66 or 495. But you know what Christ says? Christ says to invest. Christ does, says to love people, not to insist their own, own way, not to, uh, you know, to celebrate evil, but to be patient and kind and gentle, it points people to the one who truly loves them, which is Christ Jesus, right? So when Hebrews says, exhort one another, it doesn't mean just a text. Text is the minimum. Facebook is the minimum. You know what it means? It means invest in a person as Christ invested into us. As he sat with people, ate with them, talked to them, touched them, healed them. Christ is calling us to invest in people. That's what exhortation is about. And the last one is this. See, I forgot a slide already. All right? Last thing. That is not the last thing. That's the last thing. Do not compromise. If my final encouragement is this. Church, do not compromise. I know times like these are very hard. It seems like it's so miserable because so many people are angry, emotional, all these things. And it, it, there is that temptation to just, you know, give in. To just follow and do what they want you to do. But here I want to just be the voice of God. From His Word. Do not compromise. Do not compromise but rather commit. For those of you who are still on the fence, maybe don't know for sure about your relationship with Jesus, I encourage you to meet with your elders and pastors today. And you make that commitment to follow Christ as your Lord and Savior. right? Not just somebody that you go and do stuff for. No, make Jesus your Lord and Savior. And ask Pastor David what that means. But for those who have already made that decision, it means to continue and to commit and do not compromise like the Israelites did, but to commit and follow Him into the promised land. That is the kingdom of heaven that has His Son 
Christ Jesus, who has given us the ultimate love and hope. Guys, I have like so many things. I skipped over so many notes, right? Because I can go on and on. Because I love just talking about Jesus. But if that's the only thing I can share today, it is that. Is your relationship with Christ the most important thing? Because we are living in times where that is being tested every single day. Church, continue to commit to Christ. Do not compromise. And let us join one another in entering in the kingdom of heaven, the promise that we have in Christ Jesus today. Let us pray. Father God, the funny thing about the stuff going on today is that it is not new. These movements, these leaders, these voices, all these people presented as we are the new way. We are the better way. Follow us. But Father, it's nothing new. This is the same old things of people trying to receive the glory and take it from you. Father, especially today, it can be difficult. Because we are in situations where we have to make a decision. We have to say something, it feels like. But Lord, I pray that before we even think about fixing someone else, fixing a solution or an issue, Father, I pray that you first make us fix ourselves by committing to your Son, Christ Jesus. You're the only one who can fix anything, Lord. So Father, let us not be tempted to try it our own way. Let us not be tempted to go back to Egypt, to our Egypt, to be slaves again, just for our temporary things. But Lord, to continue to just commit to you, to listen to your voice and not harden our hearts, but actually ask for hearts of repentance, Lord, because you alone give life. Father, I pray for new hope right now, for everyone who is listening and watching this, that, Lord, you will speak so loudly to them. It will cancel out every loud voice, social media, news, whatever it may be, because it is your voice alone that gives life and hope. Thank you, Lord, for what you have done for us through your Son. And we pray all these things in His name. Amen. All right. New Hope, thank you so much again. I know that was very long, but thank you for those who stuck with me to the very end. But hope to see you guys soon. And uh, stay safe, all right? Hope you guys see you, see you soon. Have communion with you guys someday and whatnot. All right, take care.